When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Craig Fowler here. Before the show, I just wanted to say that we I recorded a special interview with Hib striker Jim McLaren that is available on the Patreon. So if you'd like to listen to that, head over to patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. You can sign up for that and all the other exclusive content we've done for just $2 a month. So if you'd like to hear that, I think it was a pretty decent interview. We talked for about half an hour. Head over patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. Yeehaw! Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I'm joined on this occasion by Gary Cocker. Good evening. It's weird. Yes, it, on the Wednesday. it is weird. We have to do it today. I'm at the Scottish Press Awards tomorrow. Joel's in America and Duncan is doing something else. He's probably reading the book while listening to a podcast at the same time. Yes, I think he, that is exactly what he's, he's doing. He's an exceptional uh, connoisseur of content. Yes, and uh, all the Glasgow boys are unavailable. It's just it's fine. it's getting very hard to find a three man pod these days. Yes. Gonna have to whip some people over the summer. Literally. Please not me. <laughs> I, I do my best. It's not actually even to get used to come on the pod, it's just because I'm a sadistic, sadistic fuck. Yeah, chairman foul. Yes, exactly. It's about time I I literally cracked the whip and uh, just yeah, started being a dictator of this this whole misadventure. <laughs> Started, yeah, sure. Yeah, anyway, our usual preamble bollocks yeah. out of the way. Let's uh, get on to the, oh, let's get on to the banter of the matter. Rangers, they've, they've done it again. It beggars belief that they keep doing it. Hey, hey, you're all weak. What you did there, I see it. Yeah, another late night statement. Yeah, more pish. Who is doing... <laughs> ten past ten at night. I mean, my favourite part of it is at the very end they say something like, you know, we will bear this in mind for future home and away games. It's like, well, what? You know, how does that have any relevance for future 
away games? Are you just going to say, no, we're not taking any tickets? Do you're going to say, no, give us more, to which Hibs <laughs> then say, no, we won't. And you go, all right then, we'll release another statement. Do Rangers have a point at all? I don't think Rangers have a point. I think there's... My understanding of it is that basically Rangers will get half the stand that they yes. usually get. And I think the only potential issue is that I think there's one sort of one way in, one way out. Uh, it's like a you know hell in the cage, hell in a cell, whatever the they have managed WWE to do marks call it. Yeah. They've done it. I think they've but, done it earlier this season with Aberdeen. They certainly did it a few years back with Hearts. Yeah, I'm sure it's not beyond the wit of man to work out a way to have fans go into the same stand. Yeah. But in terms of numbers, why why would Hibs care? I mean, Hibs can easily fill half that stand along with their other three stands. They're in a race for second. Why? It's the it's, well, the, it's the empty threats they get you when they're like, "Oh, we will remember this," and it's just this. It's a sense of entitlement that really gets your goat because it's just another example of them being like, "Oh, with all we give to Scottish football and all this money we give to other teams, and as if they keep teams afloat, as if you know they've, they've not actually learned their lesson from from their financial troubles and and being out of the top flight for four years, and that everybody didn't go bust. I know Dundee United are struggling." But that's literally, like, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, also, that's got nothing to do with Rangers being out of the league. Dundee United are struggling because they were complete fannies and managed to spend like £8 million worth of transfer fees and players on complete diddies and hire a series of managers who weren't any good. Dundee United and it's not over yet and they were relegated at Dens. Yeah. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's not be petty about it. Dundee United are not out of the league because of Rangers. And I think Rangers fans use United as an example of, yeah. see see what happens when, when we are out of the league and we don't give money to these other teams. No, it doesn't happen. Unless... Everybody was fine. In fact, a few teams won a cup and a lot of people rather enjoyed it. So now... They're back, and now they've got this... Again, it's just the sense, like they, they said in the statement, we we have the, the loyal fans in the country going to all these grounds, helping Scottish football, blah, 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 so you should give us the entire stand. What a lot of bollocks. I mean, and I might be wrong about this, so correct me if I am, but when they were saying about, oh, we'll remember this for home games as well, I'm guessing that Hibs just get the same corner that most teams do. Oh, yeah. So what's the 900 that, people. Yeah, so... And Hibs what, have also what's the worst that Rangers can do? Hibs have asked, Take that away. Hibs have asked for more fans, I think, during the season where Hibs finished second to Hearts and Rangers finished third in the Championship. I'm pretty sure Hibs asked for more fans at that game and Rangers turned them down even though Rangers didn't sell out their end. Mm-hmm. So, and did Hibs release a statement after that? I don't say yes or no, but I'm say probably not, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, not only is it a sense of entitlement, it's an empty threat. Like, they're really going to do anything about it. Because they're not... They probably won't be able to cut Hibs' allocation further, because it's already 900. Yeah. I don't even know in that corner of the ground how you could cut it further without there being safety problems. Yeah. Because... Basically, it's, that's basically, like, one one or two turnstiles, and that's it. Because they keep talking as well about, you know... I think there's been a few seasons now they've said, oh, we're going to cut what's... We give Celtic. Yeah. But they give Celtic That's that. a bit different. They give Celtic an entire stand. Yeah. So... You know, even there, there could be. It's just, it's it was a totally unnecessary faff, and it's almost as if they're trying to distract from the fact that they're <laughs> quite to possibly, fall apart. quite possibly. And there's also the, um, the the other side of the threat was the away fans. So they're basically kind of making it out that okay, next time we come to Easter Road in the future, and you're not doing so well, and you're not selling out your stadium, we are not going to take the entire stand. We are going to take half of it. Um, Rangers, if that's the way that you want to play this and you want to look after your fans by making sure that other clubs always give you a set amount and don't take it away for when those teams play well, 
which I th- personally, I don't see why people get upset about this thing. That's the, those teams' prerogative. It's their home ground. If they want to welcome in fifteen thousand year or fifteen hundred of year, as long as it's a, as long as it's what the SPFL deems to be a decent amount of supporters, mm-hmm. then I think that should be up to the home team. But if you disagree with that, and if you think that Rangers should really be doing something about this, then what to do is to do that in future, to just say, right, no, we're not doing it. However, you know they're not going to do that. You know that next time it happens and Hibs aren't doing so well and they give Rangers the whole stand, Rangers are going to go, thank you, here's all the tickets to the fans and they're just going to sell them all. What I'm really... Because they don't want to piss the fans off because the fans... I think a lot of fans will say, oh, I'll be very happy to not do that. But there will be other fans who don't get to go to away games because Rangers... For a Rangers fan to go to away games, it's pretty hard because there's 50,000 of them. And even if you're going to places like... Kelly, who welcome in a lot of Rangers fans, it's still sometimes hard to get a ticket. So these fans are going to be like, "Oh, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to, you know, it's just, it's, it's just like you say, it's, it's getting something, just, getting see something shiny and just throwing it out there." I really cannot wait for their statement next season because if Dundee stay up, we are going to charge uh, old firm fans thirty pounds to go, go and see us. I'm looking forward to um, that statement. Yep. Uh, so they are going to be furious, but we will not care when we take 4,000 of them and just shake them down for 30 quid. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Shall we talk any more on the Ranger statement? No. No. Okay. We're we done. Move on to Ross County. They've got themselves a manager's. Yes, it's the. The f- managers. I was trying man- to. Managers. Co managers. <laughs> Yes, they've got themselves two managers. Assistant to the regional manager. Um, Yes, it's uh, Stuart Kettlewell and Stephen Ferguson have been confirmed as co-managers. I think the first official one since Jockey Scott Aberdeen in the 90s. Oh yeah, and Alex Smith. Yep. Um, Um, Before then you had Alec McDonald and Sandy Jardin at Hearts. There's probably been a few others that we've missed. Um, I mean, Gerard Hurley and Roy Evans. Yeah. Um, Technically, (laughs) even though... Famously in Scotland. Technically, the Benetti brothers were... Manager and assistant manager, but they were basically co-managers. Right. I think it was just because Dario's English wasn't as good, so they just punted up a van and said, "Okay, um, yeah." So it's an unusual move, um, but the more I've thought about it, the more I think it actually makes sense. A lot of county fans seem to be really behind this. It's, yeah. it's not the results have slightly picked up, uh, but I think it's it's for the understanding I get of the situation. They just kind of there just seems to be a feeling that they like these guys. Around the club, the fans maybe to do with the fact that they've been involved in the youth side of things and the development league. Uh, sorry, the development league team won the development league mm-hmm. uh, the last season. It was, and maybe it's just something for the games I've seen so far that they like the the tactics, I like the team's approach, I like the way everything's set out. Maybe they're not just as annoyed by the way they're approaching teams as they certainly were under Jim McIntyre's tenure. I think that was always the thing about McIntyre, is that people who were a bit just like withdrawn from county, kind of looking at it from afar, didn't understand how much McIntyre used to annoy them just with his team selection and some of the tactics he would do and players he would drop and players he would play at position. I think that top six in the cup sustained him in the eyes of lazy journalists uh, for for a very long time. (laughs) Your one's not mine. Yeah. Controversial. The words of Gary Cocker. Um, no, I think looking at it from a sort of uh, logical point of view, they're going to do one of two things this season. Either they're going to, well, it's not really them, but either County are going to go down and the blame for that will largely lie with Owen Coyle. 
um, rather than with those guys. And probably McIntyre as well yeah. for his summer business. Yeah, and then that way, you know, the two of them are obviously the cheaper option. They know the club already, so, you know, they'll have a little bit of time and space in the championship to improve. Or they somehow keep County up and therefore they really deserve the chance to actually take them forward. I, I took a little look at County sort of before and after the appointment and before the uh, before Coyle was sacked, Ross County won as many games at Dens Park this season as they won at home. Wow. Um, but since they've been appointed in the six games since then, they've had uh, been beaten twice, but they've had three draws and one victory. Uh, and they only had three clean sheets under Owen Coyle, but they've had two uh, in the six games. What a victory as well, beating Thistle 4-0. 4-0, which is massive, not just for the three points, but also for the potential yeah, the, goal difference, that filthy, filthy looker. And the way they talk about it, the fans have just kind of responded, and this is the good move going forward, regardless of whether they stay in the league or not, because, I mean, you can make a reactionary head coach appointment where you're just trying to get somebody to keep you in the league. But that's not always necessarily the best thing going forward. And I think fans are, are now... I mean, I don't want to say they're just accepting that they're going to the, the second tier. That's that's not the case. But it's more about the fact they're just kind of... If that happens, we at least think we're on the right track. And we might just yeah. need to go down to go up again. If it comes to that. And they've short-circuited that thing that some clubs do where they try to... When they do go down, they try to appoint... Well, not necessarily a big name, but sort of a flashy name like Owen Coyle and try and yeah um, and you know try to short circuit their way back up but instead of doing that they've gone well you know let's make this appointment see if, see how it goes um, it's bound to go better than Richie Foran which is probably the last yep, that's very true similar one so it can't be as bad as that surely so the player of the year nominations have been made mm-hmm. full, full player of the year <laughs> full player <laughs> Not those half players that you see walking about missing an arm yeah. and the like. Uh, players player of the year. The nominations are just kind of blank to them. Chris Boyd, mm-hmm. John McGinn, yep. James Forrest, yep. and Scott Brown. Yep. We'll just start with there before we go on the young players. Mm-hmm. Any anybody there who's a bit of a surprise to you? I mean, it's not surprising that I thought of course they're gonna bloody nominate him, but I don't think that John McGinn's been the best midfielder at Hibs this season. Yeah. Probably Dylan, Dylan McGeeach has been a much more complete and much more transformed and impressive mm. footballer. Footballers? Oh, that's your phone going off. Uh, it's, it's, still an air, it's still an airplane mode. Oh. Um, footballers seem to love John McGinn because he, he played in the Championship last year and I think by all accounts when it comes to the Hibs fans... He didn't have as good a season as Dan McGregor, who won, similar to McGeeck this year, won the Hibs Award for Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even people were saying last year he might not even have as good a season as Marvin Bartley in the, in the Championship, and yet he was nominated for Championship Player of the Year. I can't remember if he won it or not. But he was certainly nominated, and I think a lot of people were a bit surprised by that. And the same's happened again. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably had a, maybe a bit, even a better year this year than he did last year. So it's not quite as, maybe as much of a surprise, but yeah, it is surprising that there is somebody else in his own, playing his actual position in the same team as him that might have been more deserving. It reminds me a little bit of um, when Greg Stewart was nominated a few seasons ago now when he was playing for Dundee. Which time? And a lot, the second Second time. time. Uh, I think even a lot of Dundee fans were going, all right then, that's a bit unusual. Yeah. Uh, Because he hadn't had 
the greatest season and it did seem a little bit like people were almost feasting off what had gone before. Not to say that John McGinn's had a bad season by any stretch of the imagination. But it's it's a name that seems to be there a little bit more because it's a name. I think it helps McGinn's... I don't want to go into this too much because we'll be talking about the top 12 centre midfielders later on. But I think and he it, might make it in. Yeah, he might make it yeah. in. I think it, I think it does help McGinn's case that he is, a, he is a big game player. And so when Hibs have been on the telly, he's, he's tended to start in those games. And I think players... Those are the matches, games against Celtic, Rangers, mm-hmm. Hearts, that players in the league who don't necessarily support Hibs or know much about Hibs rather than the four times they play them will look at that and go, oh, he's had a good season kind of thing. And McGeoch McGeoch has played well in a lot of these games, but he's not somebody that kind of, he doesn't draw your attention as, as easily as McGinn does. He's not quite as all action as Joe yeah, You can't spot him from the sky from a helicopter running. <laughs> um, but I think the other thing as well is that uh, obviously McGinn put in a great performance against Hungary for Scotland and that would probably, I might be wrong here, but that would have probably been about the time that people were yeah, that beginning well. to fill out forms. So I think a lot of it does depend on how well people are playing at the time that uh, these nominations go out. I wonder now, he looked a certainty earlier this season. In fact, it looked like he there was a point where he thought maybe he's going to nick it from his own teammate. But... James Forrest has barely kicked a ball in like two mm. and a half months. He's he's not been... He's sort of the opposite of Chris Boyd in a lot of ways in that Forrest started the season on fire. And I think we were all around this table talking in October or November saying, well, it's going to be him. Absolutely, the transformation's been incredible. But he's not really done much. Whereas Boyd, obviously, it's slightly different because there was a change of manager, which yeah, brought a change in tactics, which has really... He didn't really do much for, yep. like, two months, and now he's been great since. Yeah. So, but then at the same time, you look at Forrest when he, and you, if it's not Forrest, who's it going to be? Yeah. Dembele's not had yeah. as good a season as Ambrogic has, and you can say Tierney, but Tierney's probably not had as good a year yeah. as last year. He's, more, I would say, more consistent than Forrest, but... You know, when it comes to player of the year awards, you're always going to give the nod to an attacking player over a defensive yeah. player. Uh, Berra's the kind of I think the name a lot of people will like. No, Christoph Berra. Hearts are just too shit to yeah. be honest. I mean, he really or Hearts as a whole really tailed off in the last couple of months. Yeah. and again, I think a lot. He, of it does he's made a few on, more mistakes over that yeah. time as well. So it's not like he. It's just the team bringing him down. He's he's not been quite as good as he was when I think I wrote the article around about January time that I think he was the leading contender at that point for player of the year but Hearts were in the midst of that clean sheet run and Hearts were actually looking like okay they could maybe challenge Hibs for fourth place now they're almost certainly going to finish in sixth place the defence is still the second best in the league but they have been a bit leakier and it's just I think strikers have worked out that they can just sort of throw off Christoph Bearer and run <laughs> and, it'll, and it'll all be alright that's happened to him twice in the last few weeks he's, so. he's still had a great season and I think it would have been deserved if he, if he had got a nomination but it's just hard to complain too much when like I said as well with Tierney if you're a defensive player you just have to be that extra bit better to get ahead of a, a forward I know it's I know Brown's not exactly you know a swashbuckling attacking player but he still plays a bit further forward he still well I think it just helps with Brown is that he's Everybody knows how key he is to Celtic and how much he helps to take play. And you take him out of that team, and he's just they're not quite the same. And that's been a kind of running theme throughout the season, which has certainly helped him. Who are you picking to win it? I think it'll be Chris Boyd. 
hashtag narrative. Mm. Um, yeah, there think, is quite a narrative there. Yeah, I think the change in... I mean, he obviously wasn't a joke figure, but I think towards the end of last season, and certainly the start of this season, a lot of people were looking at him going... It's, I think he was know, a joke figure. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to be too cruel. Um, <laughs> but he's it's not anymore. Yeah. He's had the last laugh. Um, but he's really been transformed this season. I think that if you ever look at all the players on it, as you say, Forrest has been up and down. McGinn, I think what could hold back McGinn a bit is I think people are probably over the next little while think about it and go, why didn't we put down Dylan McGeeh? And I think although that's unfair, that might overshadow him a little bit. And, I don't know, it's too easy to make a case for Scott Brown. So I'm going to go with Chris Boyd. Fair enough, fair enough. Young Player of the Year. Nominees are Alfredo Morelos, Lewis Morgan, uh, Kieran Tierney, <laughs> and McKenna. Really should have these down. <laughs> yeah. Happy I've got them here. Um, yeah, Tierney, Morelos, Morgan and McKenna. Sounds like a really bad solicitor's firm. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. Yeah. Um... Any yeah. surprises for you? Morelos is a Morelos is a surprise who I don't think is necessarily undeserving. I know he gets a lot of stick because of the misses he has and some of the howlers he's had, but and fighting his teammates. And, that, you still need to think he's twenty-one years old and he's the second leading scorer in the country. Yeah, or at least sorry, in the top flight. I can understand why he's on it. I think that there's a few others that could have been on it. Uh, I think Jim Kelly. Does he still qualify? He's still qualifies. Yeah. Well, there's one. Um, Glenn Kamara. <laughs> yes. He still qualifies. Cedric Keepre. O- obviously, I'm going to punt someone from Dundee. Uh, Cedric Keepre and Alan Campbell. Yeah. As well. You could argue. It does it's seem just... a little bit, because I think the teams this year that have been, you know, when people look back at the season, people will talk about Killy, they'll talk about Hibbs, they'll talk about Motherwell. And obviously, Killy and Hibbs have been represented on the Player of the Year list, but there's not a Motherwell representative there. I think I was listening to the Off the Ball uh, podcast. Not off the ball, open goal podcast, okay. uh, and they were saying that if you could somehow fuse together Louis Mole and Curtis Mame into someone called Multi Mame, um, then is that what they said as well? They, yeah, that's exactly. I'm, I'm great li- banter. I am literally stealing terrible power here. It's like a <laughs> Brewdog or something. We've got our own um, terrible power. I know. I mean, don't need the intro. Yeah, don't need to take anyone else's. Um, but no, if you could, if they were the same player, I know it's a daft argument to make, but. Because they've only they were only each there for half the season, yeah, yeah. you can't really justify them being on. I mean, for them it would be player yeah, of the no, year. That's, that's um, but there's been a lot of players who have had a good half a season, or have only been around for half of the season, either through loan or through coming in January. Um, but those names, I mean, Tierney's always going to be on it. Yeah. Um, Lewis Morgan, he's I think he said eighteen. See, 18 goals and 13 assists in the championship, yes, but, but, but that's a, against you know that's against Shabalaslo's Dundee United. Yeah, that, it's, it's that's the, Darren the weakest Dodd's championship city. in four or um, five years. It's, yeah. it's oh, I, I do wonder if I mean obviously he's been signed by Celtic. Don't know what's going to happen next season. Go back to St Mirren on loan probably. Um, but I just I've not seen enough of him to really you know definitively say he shouldn't be on there. But it does feel a little bit sort of shoehorning in a wee bit of a sort of tokenistic we don't just look at the premiership we look all around yeah it does it does kind of seem um, a bit like because yes Morgan's had an undoubtedly great season but has he had a better season than in Cham for example and in yeah. Cham's 
playing against better players literally but, every single week, and then, he's like ran old from derbies and stuff. Is like, that perennial? Is, can, Chris, can Lewis Morgan do that? Yeah. I don't I mean, think so. Is that perennial debate about when it comes to manager of the year? People say, well, it should always go to the Celtic manager, yeah, or it should go to someone who overachieves with what they've got, yeah. Um, so it's that sort of you know, I think depending on which approach you take. Christopher Iyer is very harshly left out. Yeah. Um, I suppose he doesn't really get the nod over McKenna because McKenna's played a lot more. But yeah. Iyer kind of came into the team in what was it December? McKenna only came into it in late September, so there's only about two and a half months. I suppose. I suppose that's enough. I, I'm sorry, I was, you know, struggling to work out calendars there. I'm struggling to remember the names of the players of the year, so yeah, but you know what I mean. Both of them kind of missed parts of the season. I suppose that McKenna's Ayers maybe just not quite played enough. I think he's. I still thought he was going to get a, a nomination because he has been. He's Celtic's best centre back this year, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously the, he was just kind of voted down, and probably it didn't help that the Celtic vote would have went with Tierney. Yeah. In terms of who I think will win it, Tierney, I think. Yeah, it'll probably be. Third year in a row. I reckon it would be Boys and Tierney. I'll, I'll just to be different. I'll go for Brown and McKenna. Yeah. I think McKenna's the closest challenger to Tierney. Yeah. If it's Brown and Tierney, there'll be another statement. Yeah. But I also make it the Rangers vote though. You know, there's going to be a lot of players out there who are Rangers fans. Yeah. To be fair, I don't think a lot of them are like. <laughs> no, that might actually hurt them rather than help them. <laughs> Would uh, I mean this is this is probably an absolutely wild one, but there was you could potentially make an argument for Josh Windus purely on the basis that he was in for player a, of the year. Yeah, purely on the basis he was in electric form around about the time. I keep coming back yeah, to yeah. this idea of when the nomination forms went out, but people forget how good people might have been in August, September, That's October. True. But when it comes out in say January, February, March, people are thinking more. I'm glad he's not on it because I don't think he does deserve to no, go over the piece. But I know, he, I know what you mean. He's he could, one that he could have. If it was a much longer list, then you would imagine he may be one that's on it. Okay, speaking of long lists, let's move on to the top twelve centre midfielders in Scottish football right now. It's a shame it's just two of us on the show, but I'm thinking of postponing this till a later week. However, we don't have much long in the season left. We've still got to do wingers and strikers, and mm-hmm. uh, this could be like we probably would have time, but I I don't do any planning. That's the thing I think I'll do for next season. I think I'll actually try and. Write out stuff in advance, so people are get a wee calendar. This is what yeah. you're doing, yeah. Rather than mess, rather than me messaging last night at one in the morning, saying, "By the way, if it's centre mids, what counts?" <laughs> <laughs> we also might change is, this next year because this is getting harder and harder to yeah. do. Well, it's getting harder and harder to do without over half the list being Celtic. Yes. Um, so possibly for next year, we might split it up into centre midfielders and attacking midfielders, and just make wingers attacking midfielders as well. Yeah. But for just to stick with tradition, one final year. Like um, your field golf club, uh, we're just going. We're going to have this absolute shambles instead. <laughs> yes, yeah. but it's just like chock full of Celtic players, basically. Um, and then uh, hopefully next year we can get a bit more equality going yeah. throughout the league. Should we do a few honourable mentions? Yes. Um, given that we've had to restrict this to twelve. Um, Greg Greg Doherty. Yep. Uh, Alan Campbell. Yep. Gary Dicker and Alan Power, both for Kelly. Yep. Uh, Marvin Bartley, I really kind of would. Yeah, really I had like a question mark him. after him. Uh, I quite like uh, Yoki Madau at Hearts. I think he he's a decent defensive midfielder, but with a, there was absolutely no chance he was getting on with. And I don't have Scott Allen. 
Well, we'll get to that. Um, the only other ones I had down were Darian McKinnon. Yeah. Um, McKinnon, I had him. I did have McGowan yeah. as well, um, until I realised how ridiculous that was, given the state of my top 12. Um, and Murray Davidson was another one that I still have. Can I see why I'm he not... Is, he is the most irritating player for me to watch, because he's just always in the way. Can I say why I'm not picking Alan before we start? Yes. I'm not picking Alan because... He's, he's been brilliant since he went to Hibs. Uh, really been impressed with him. However, That's why you're not picking him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, the reason I'm not picking him is that it's a very much a tailor-made situation for him to walk into. He's got two fantastic midfielders behind him. One of which is somebody who can dictate play from deep. The other one is someone who can make things happen at all ends of the field. McGinn is, you know, he works his arse off. He, he gets up and down. He does a lot of work. And so does McGeek. That means that Alan doesn't necessarily have to do as much. He's got that specialist role sitting as number 10. He's also got players in Martin Boyle, uh, Jamie McLaren, quick guys who he can feed his through balls to. If you put him in a place like he was earlier in the season in Dundee, if you're talking about his Dundee form, there's absolutely no danger Scott Allen gets anywhere so, near so the top 12. What you're basically saying is if Scott Allen's played out of position, well, there's there is no that. danger. However, uh, he was played wide left. Yeah, by Dundee, but at so. the same time, you could say that a few of these other guys have been played in different positions and are still good and yeah. better than Scott Allen was in his. Yeah. And right, but if we're talking about centre mids, though, when he plays in, the, see, this is the problem. The, st- the stat guys, the stat guys, um, have, have shown that Scott Allen's like expected assists and key passes and stuff were actually slightly better at Dundee at Hibs. But this is this is where stats sometimes fall down because you have to kind of watch and get on. Get a proper understanding of what he's doing, and for me, Scott Allen at Dundee gave the ball gave, gave the ball away too many times in promising areas by trying to force stuff, and that's maybe where his it, stats are coming from. In fairness, he was giving away the ball because he thought that someone like Sophie and Musa would realise that he yeah. should probably run into that space. Okay, so some of it's maybe not his fault, but some of it is as well, and that you need to know what you're working with. And there was so many times with Allen at Dundee where he would. He would try and just force something through, and it, even accounting for limited players and, and players not quite being on his wavelength, it just it wasn't there. There wasn't anything there. But then, when he came on against Rangers, he totally changed the game. He did. He, he had those moments. He had the game against Rangers. He had the game against Hamilton. Those things probably would have boosted his stats up over the season as well, because there were other games when he was completely ineffective. And playing the games li- when he was played out of position, play- not in the middle. <laughs> I, no, I don't know. I saw him sometimes playing in the middle where he wasn't necessarily that great either. And it, yeah, it, yeah, right. It didn't help that he played in the left of midfield. But being a centre midfielder as well, it's all about being adaptive. And he wasn't that adaptive. He was quite poor at keeping his position. He was quite poor at tracking back. That's a number of things that deservedly count against him. And therefore, he's not on my list. He's only not on my list because it was fucking solid to try and narrow this down to 12. It was and very also, difficult. He's only given six months, really, or not even six months, what we're in now, April, four months mm-hmm. of really good play. That's in the top flight. That's for his entire career. There's other guys who have done longer. <coughs> See, they got so passionate there that I choked them on words. Right, so. Shall I give my 12 through 10? Yes, go for it. Well, 12 Scott Allen, who we've already <laughs> gone through. Well, you um, well, you, say, you've gone through him. You can say why he's there. Well, basically the reasons that you were giving uh, before you went, but then he was playing wide left by Dundee. Um, I just think in terms of that creative spark, that je ne sais, je ne sais quoi, that uh, imitation of the Greenock Iniesta that is Gary Harkins, he is he is up there. Um, I mean, fire he, right now. Yeah, he's, uh, 
I mean, as you say, there are games when he's ineffective, but I think with creative players, you're going to have that. You're going to have peaks and troughs. You're not necessarily going to have a consistent level. If he was playing week in, week out, as well as he could every single week, then he wouldn't be where he is. Okay. So he's my number 12. I've got Kenny McLean at 10. And we've got number 11. Shit. Kenny McLean at 11. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got Glenn Kamara at 10. Okay, I've got Kamara at 12. Mm-hmm. For him to be there instead of Allen, it's just a case of Allen's been. Sorry, Kamara's been better across the whole season. So uh, he did have a dip. He did have a dip, but Post uh, even then, he still still wasn't that yeah. bad. One other thing that does annoy me about Kamara is, and I saw plenty at the weekend against St. Johnson, and the old boy behind me was about to have a heart attack. The amount of times it happened. Um, often he'll get the ball and he'll get up to about within about 10 yards of the 18-yard box. 28 yards, some would say. Um, you'll get there, and instead of driving on, taking a shot, attempting a cross, you know, trying to slip the ball in, he'll stop, and he'll turn, and he'll look around him, even in a promising counter-attack situation. Right. So I don't know if it's just that... So it's rubbish, bit him. <laughs> just get rid of him. <laughs> Send them off to Swansea if he wants to go. I think, um, I think... I think, I think he's got... He gets a wee... He gets a wee bit into nosebleed territory when he gets that far up. The one time that I've actually seen him put the ball into the box was against Hamilton in the 98th minute uh, when AJ Leach-Smith scored the winner. Okay, so to talk him up, since you've talked him down, weirdly, since you have him higher than me, uh, he is... I said that's a minor, that's like, you know... For a a defensive midfielder, which is kind of what he is, he he does have just about everything you want. The only thing he doesn't have is size. He's quite Mm. small for somebody in his position. However, he is quite tenacious and he's not afraid to get himself getting tackles and, and win the ball back. He's also good at passing the ball. Uh, not necessarily sliding through balls, but, but just keeping it simple, finding yeah. the open man. And he's good at actually running with the ball forward. He's good at driving forward from deep and not just not just passing the buck to somebody else. What they call water carriers. But mm-hmm. he, can, he can drive it forward and he can, he can push the team up the park. And that's quite a, an underrated skill for someone in his position to have because a lot of players in that role just do the absolute bare minimum. And that, a lot of times that's fine. But you can have somebody that can also contribute to attack in that way. He does obviously need to get better at what you said and that trying to do more once he gets further forward because he does have the other attributes that would lend himself to someone who yeah. could you know, get more assists and get more passes. But he's, he's kind of lacking that in his game right now. Maybe he'll always lack that. It might just be confidence. He's still a young player who's really only playing in his first season. And he's playing at Dens week in, week out yeah. with the fans. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Oh, shite, come on. Um, yeah, so I would have... In my initial draft, I did have him much higher until I actually remembered where <laughs> that Celtic are in the league, um, which then just absolutely devastated where a lot of people are. Um, so Your I, number 12 was... Um, my number 12 was Scott Allen. Number 11 was Kenny McLean. Kenny McLean. I've got him quite higher. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's maybe just a case of me seeing some, because I think at the start of the season, he, his form really did take a wee bit of a yeah, dip and he was he was giving away the ball he was giving away the ball repeatedly giving up away the ball yeah sorry I just heard something so my, my brain switched off for a second <laughs> um, just confused me with noises um, yeah I don't think he's had as good a season this season as he has in past seasons his form has gone up since he signed that uh, pre-contract with yes. Norwich weirdly um, yeah but he is I mean he's still an excellent midfielder so 
the problem with this list is that because of all of the Celtic players further up, you do feel it feels a little bit weird to say that he's the eleventh best in the league. But I just don't think he's quite been as effective and influential as he has been in past seasons. Perhaps because there's been another player in the Aberdeen midfield who's been able to take on that mantle. It's okay. So I've got Kamara twelve. I've got Ryan Christie at eleventh, and I've got Yusuf Malumbu at ten. Malumbu just missed out for me purely on the basis that he's not played that not much this lot. season. That's fine. Which I'm going to get a lot of stick for when I get much further up the list than another player. Um, I think you could just tell by Malumba though, he's absolutely dominated games oh, against yeah. Celtic and Rangers. And you can just see that he has abilities that, uh, with the exception of people at Celtic, nobody else in the league has. Mm-hmm. And he's just brilliant. I mean, he's touch, he's, he's physical... Strengths. He's, he's a big guy. He's athletic. He mm. he can he can make things happen. He can shove people off the ball. He can just dominate games from the yeah. centre of the park. So he has to be on it for me, even though it is a small sample size. He just screams great player. And he also has a very neat touch as well. He's able to oh, control yeah. the ball perfectly. Um, so it's not just a case of him being a a bit of a wrecking ball further back. He's actually got that. Uh, sort of sophistication to him too I've got, so I did feel bad about leaving him off but I just felt I think he signed in November yeah for he, Kelly he has only so played he's not, something like 15 games or something. Yeah. Uh, I've got Christy at 11 I've got him a little bit higher okay I'll say why I've got you can talk about him later then in mm-hmm. terms of he's, what he's good at he's obviously yeah. good at a number of things I've got him a bit lower I've just not really been that pressed with him in 2018 and maybe there's a bit of recency bias there on the part of that but I thought he really started Aberdeen. Started the season as one of Aberdeen's better players, maybe even their, their best player up until kind of the turn of the year. And he's just not kind of carried that over. He does have some qualities in terms of the fact that his kind of kind of his dynamism around the final third is something that is quite uh, a key part of Aberdeen's play. And they, they do play better when he's at his best and able to move around. And he's you know he's. For our level, he's got a decent enough technique. He can score goals, he can assist, he can, he can do a lot of things. He, he works hard, but he's just not imposed himself enough on games as the season's gone on. And I just don't see... Celtic want him back, and I don't see why. <laughs> like I, I just don't... I can't imagine him replacing Tom Rogic in the Celtic team, or even Callum McGregor. It's going to be hard for him to break into that side. I'm just... I'm not completely sold. And I think... It's always Scotland. Did he play again in the double header? I think he did, didn't he? I think he did. But his debut against um, the Netherlands, I think it's so. It, once you get to that level, you can see guys who, at our level, great, what you would call really good technique. I think Stuart Armstrong's another guy like this, but I would say Armstrong's better. And once you take it up a level, their technique does kind of get found out a bit. I thought you kind of saw that against with Christie against. The Netherlands. It might have just been, you know, a bad game and he had a bad touch or whatever. He might be, he might be not. He might be tired. He might be anything. But that just kind of cast a bit of doubt in my mind. And he's not really continued his Aberdeen form to quite the level he had before then. The the, the rest of the campaign. Thought so he did score that incredible goal. He's always capable and, of doing yeah. that. I think that was one of. I'll, I'll just quickly go on to him now. Um, as I said, I've got him higher up. But for me, I think that I know what you're saying about you know how can he get past other players in that Celtic team but I think next season I can't see Patrick Roberts 
being back. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear that he is a wee bit superfl- superfluous. But as you say, I think Chris- even then, though, he'd still be back up to like James Forrest and maybe even Lewis Morgan. Johnny Hayes has got to come back as well. Johnny Hayes will be back off to Aberdeen in two shakes of a lamb's tail. <laughs> that that's going to be the deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I just think that Chris is excellent at finding those wee pockets of space. Yeah, it's good at that. Um, and he's able to just sort of, you know, when it comes to some things like counter attack and just those transitions, he's just phenomenal. And he is one of the few players in that Aberdeen side that, when I've you know when Dundee have played he's been one that I've genuinely really feared I mean obviously Aberdeen are one of the best sides in the country but if he was missing I would take it as a real boost Right what's your 9-7 to 9-7 oh I'm going to send Kenny Miller's head spinning with my number 9 John again um, I know harsh Ryan Christie and then Big Tam Rogic Wow you have got two players there who are a lot Lower in your list than mine. So why don't you talk about why is McGinn so low for you? Why at nine? I can't stand him. <laughs> uh, I just. I mean, that might sound that harsh, but super. Ah, oh, don't start that. Just, Gary, I just don't think you understand that song as well. And just the whole thing. No, for me, uh, I mean, look, I'm not denying that he's a good player, but the, one of the things that annoys me is that he, whenever I see him, he gets the ball, he bats his arse into somebody. He falls down, he gets the free kick. That's all I see with him. He he did, obviously, he had a terrific game against Hungary. I think that was one of the games where I sort of, I got John McGinn. Because except, you know, at the end of the day, he is, he's a great footballer. He's going to go on to do good things. I think the comparisons with Brown are a bit off. I think he said that himself, where, you know, he said we're two very different players. Yeah. Um, no, I don't get that And he is, all. yeah. And I think it's it's the easy thing for people to do. He's, the, he's already made replacement for Scott Brown. He's, he's definitely really not. not. Um but for me, I just he just really irritates me when I watch him play. It's just that that style of running, the way that he he just chips away at the opposition players. Maybe it's just I've seen him play against Dundee too many times, and I'm I'm a bitter bitter man. Um, but he is obviously he's capable of playing incredible through balls. He's got great energy about him. Uh, well, we'll get on to like, that. I'll yeah. talk about his good points. But what okay. about Tam? Big Tam um, at number seven. I think the only reason that I've got him that low is that in terms of all the other Celtic players that are on the list, because let's be honest, it's a lot of Celtic players, um, I think he doesn't get as much game time, really. So it's really just a victim of uh, the sort of the 70 minute Rogic uh, experiment. He does lack a bit of stamina. Yeah. That, that does go against um, But obviously, when it comes to the big games, there's. You know, he's a player that you can always rely on to score against Rangers or against Aberdeen in the cup tie. And you know, remind me, who was your number eight? Uh, my eight was Christie, who we've already Christy discussed. Christie, we've already discussed. Yeah. Right, my nine is Olivier and Cham. Got him a bit higher. My that eight, might be recency bias. My eight is Graham Shinney. Got him a wee bit higher. And my seven is Kenny McLean. I had him a wee bit lower. Right, so I've got Cham at nine. He's, he's excellent in a lot of games. He can not only... Is he somebody who can drive the ball forward? He's got pace, strength. He's got really the kind of exactly what you want in a kind of deeper line player. He reads play well. He passes it well. He's somebody who Brown really can enable Celtic to completely suffocate opponents with possession. You've seen him run old firm games. He stepped up in bigger games, but there's just too many games where he, just, he completely passes them by, mm. and that's just that 
level of consistency isn't there yet. And yeah. until it is, it won't be much higher on my list. Once that arrives and he plays through a full season, I mean, yeah. he's only 21. So once he plays through a whole season and you get that consistent Scott Brown F, 9 out of 10 every yeah. week, yes, he'll probably be the best midfielder in the country. But for I, me, number 9. I think that's why I've got him at uh, a little bit higher. I've got him at number 5. Uh, the reason for that just being that thinking about his performance against Rangers, obviously. Rangers have totally fallen apart by that point, so it's uh, probably pretty easy to boss the game in the way he did. But I think that just really, that was a demonstration of what could be coming next season. So maybe I'm just insulating myself a little bit from someone going, oh, I can't believe you had Audio Jam that long. Um, and as well as that, the game against, the other game that sticks out in my head is I think it was against PSG. He started off having an absolute stinker, and then he really picked up a little bit later into the game. You talk about underlying game. And the one, yeah, yeah, he did. You're right. Yeah. Don't know why I said PSG there because they got bumped from PSG. I think he actually him and Dembele in the the game where they got hammered seven one. I yeah. think him and Dembele were the only two that actually played well. Yeah, so he, did, so he, say, has, he has kind of done it in Europe as well. But that's what I'm saying. He, he's got to end up maybe a big yeah. game player. He's not. But then you see him in the game like against Motherwell. Well, Motherwell did ten men for like sixty minutes as well. And you're like, isn't Cham even playing? So he has those matches. That's why he's, he's so low for me. Number eight, Shinny. Shinny is low on mine compared to yours, and it's it's mainly I'm kind of punishing Not him. Not much lower. I'm punishing him for what's pretty much been a subpar season by his standard, and it's just I think if, well even that's a bit harsh. I still think he's been pretty good for Aberdeen, and he's a very important player for them, even when he's not quite been at the heights maybe of previous seasons. I've just got him a bit lower because I think there's a number of players here who have kind of surpassed him. Uh, he's He's just not gotten better while maybe a lot of other guys on my list have. And, you know, that's not to be harsh on him. He's, I think now he's, we can see he's, he's finally, he's a player who's probably never going to have quite the skill to break into the Scotland squad. No. Which is a shame, because he is a very good player at this level. But talking about guys with technique and stuff, Shinny at Scottish football level can be that kind of feisty hard-working battler, the guy who's there to make the tackles at the higher level. Does he do that? Does he quite have the, the yard of pace to... Well, I suppose he's a quick enough player, but does... You know what I mean? Does he quite get in the positions to do that? And does he have enough ability to do impact the game going forward as he does in Scottish football as well? And I would say he might not... Like, that's just... I've never seen him at that level, but that, that would be my guess. And, like, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but... Because I think he's great, and I would love him in any team I had, mm-hmm. uh, whether it is at left back or in centre midfield. But I do think he's a better centre midfielder left back because his energy is so important to the team. Mm-hmm. But it's just I have to I have to pick somebody higher. Yeah, I should probably I think... actually I should probably say why I've got McLean higher because, and again this might be recently biased, but I've just been so impressed with McLean over the last few months, and what's really kind of stood out for me is just what an intelligent player he is. And kind of what you said about Christie in terms of picking up pockets of space. While Christie, I think, does that in the final third, McLean does it pretty much anywhere from near the defence to further forward as well. He can he can go so many areas, and even in games like against Motherwell away, where he played as a false nine, and I mean, I really think Kenny McLean could do that. But he's just he's got that brain to just go with the spaces. He doesn't necessarily have to back in the defenders. He doesn't have to run in behind. He just has to go where he can take the ball. And enable his team, enable his team to keep possession and go forward and pen the opponents back. Without him in the semi-final, Aberdeen couldn't do that against Motherwell, and they paid the price as a result because Motherwell were able in the league game beforehand 
they were able to hit long balls as, as Motherwell can do, but they were doing it to a point where Aberdeen had enough space behind them where they could just easily deal with it and head it away and Aberdeen were right back on the attack again. Couldn't do that in the semi and that played a, maybe not a, like, a vital part. They still might have, because the centre-backs lost the game so easily mm-hmm. if we'd been bullied, still might have lost anyway. But that didn't help without him. And he's just, he's he's managed to take his game up another level in these last few months. Had he played like this, he's not quite hitting the headlines as he did last year because he was he had he kind of went through these patches as he does where he scores quite a lot and I did think last year as well he played with uh, urgency that's sometimes lacking from his game but I think this year he's looking a more as I said a more intelligent player and if he could put it all together he could get the urgency get the intelligence and just manage to I know he's fairly old well, not old but you know what I mean he's not 21, he's no chicken. He's like, what, 20, 26? Let's go with 27. <laughs> 26, 26. <laughs> Why not? So he's maybe not going to get a lot better, but for these next couple of years, he could go down to Norwich and, yeah. uh, and impose himself in the Championship. And it'd be good to see. I think for me, with Shinny, I mean, obviously there's, uh, there's a wee bit of a pattern where games that he's missing, Aberdeen look very pedestrian uh, and also look like a team that can easily be bullies. Uh, in the middle of the park, and I think that we saw, or well, it wasn't really frightening for us, more hilarious, but for Aberdeen fans, it's probably a frightening picture of the future in the semi-final, where they don't have Shinny, uh, uh, yeah, they don't have McLean, and they've got Nokali in there, not really doing much. No. Um, he was nowhere near my top 12. <laughs> I don't think he was in my top 112. Um Right, give me your, we're running out of time, so give me your yeah. 6 to 4. Uh, 6 to 4, Graham Shinny. Olivier Cham and Dylan McGeeh at four. Ooh. Any of them you want to say anything special about? Um, we've already covered Shinny and Cham. Uh, McGeeh, we talked about earlier on the show, I feel like he's been a much more important player to Hibs this season than John McGinn has. Um, I think that he's overcome, when he was at Celtic, he was played by injuries from memory and also wasn't always getting uh, the game time uh, that any player really needs to develop but I think he's had that at Hibs under Lennon um, who's and obviously Lennon's improved a lot of players at Hibs um, but for me McGeeh is above and beyond anything else and I think he really deserved the Scotland call up earlier yes. this season I've got McGeeh at 6 uh, not to I don't really want to say anything bad about Dylan McGeeh the only thing I would maybe point out is that he's not He's maybe just not quite as versatile as attacking player as some of the players on the list because he does a lot of the deeper stuff yeah. and he he's such a composed player that he just he's able and even in the most frenzied of games to take the ball move away from an opponent and open up a different avenue for the for Hibs to then go attack down and that, that is so vitally important to the team and he he also snaps at the ankles of opposing players as, as well he's not he's not just somebody who's good in position he's good out of position as well and the fact that he's managed to stay fit for this entire year bumps him up massively because yeah. that was always a knock on him and it deservedly so fitness is a skill if you can't get if you can't stay fit if you get pick up hamstring injuries or calf injuries or whatever doesn't matter if it's your fault or not. If you're picking them up, that's making you a weaker player. Just uh, ask about every single Hearts loanee. Yes, exactly. In many ways, he's much more of a natural replacement for Scott Brown than John McGuinness. Yeah, oh, definitely. There, there's your hot take. Yeah, there you go. You don't even need a microwave for that but one. But you could talk briefly about Shinning, because I 
said slightly negative things about him. So say some positive things. He's a great player. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't really have too much to add. Really, it's, uh, the reason I had him so high is just his influence on that Aberdeen team is exponential. Yes, it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Number five, I've got. So I had McGee six five. I've got Cal McGregor. I've got one. Somebody just Swiss Army knife. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, just has underrated technique. I would say if you look at some of the finishes he's had, particularly the both semi-finals, the last two Scottish Cup semi-finals against Rangers, the way that he struck both those balls is just it's oh, it's beautiful. Each of them not. I mean, the best strikes are the ones where somebody hammers it and it goes barring in. But when somebody just, you know, just puts their foot on it perfectly and just kind of passes it into the back of the net, it's something really damn fucking sexy about it, to be honest. He also, he's just got that ability where he's, he works hard, he's smart, he knows his role tactically, and that allows him, with his, with his running with his, you know, the technique he's got, passing, all the intangibles, that makes him the player that you can pretty much put anywhere in the park. And I think you can put Cal McGregor as a number nine, and he he's a false yeah. nine, and he'd pro- probably still do a decent job. He's been fine a few of the times. Sometimes he's had not great games, but whenever I've seen him, most of the times I've seen him at left back, he's done okay there. He's done well in the deeper role. He's done well in the advanced role. He's probably at his best as a number eight because he has got that, Dynamism that allows him to get up and down, and you don't really want to curtail that by giving him a specialist role. But he, he can do it all, and that's probably why he's ahead of McGeeck for me because he's he's just got more strings to his bow. McGinn, I've got in number four because John McGinn is, is super. I mean, have you not heard the song, Gary? I, I sang it to you earlier in this podcast right now. <laughs> I've got McGinn because when it, I've said, I think I've said this before in the show. When it comes to him and McGeeck, he can just do that little bit more. He's maybe not quite as composed in the football and setting the tempo but his game is, a, is about more than that he has to it's take, about falling over he has getting to, those fouls he has to take more risks he has to to try and split the defence he has to occasionally give it away by, by trying something that maybe McGeeck wouldn't do because you can't just have two guys there who are sitting there trying to dictate tempo I think McGinn if he was given that specialised role would do quite well but again you're curtailing somebody because he's so good at running forward with the ball and I've, again this is something I've said in the show he's brilliant when the game breaks down when things get frenzied and it gets like back and forward that's when that's when <laughs> you just did an impression of him brother. but that's when he thrives when he when it becomes uh, what the NFL fans would say sandlot football when things don't quite go according to plan, something breaks off, a team's caught in the counter and it's just John McGinn driving up the park. That's one of the most exciting things in Scottish football. He's also very erratic from distance, but he can hit a shot. He can score an absolute fucker. And that's again something that Dylan McGeeck doesn't have in his locker. McGregor does a bit, as I already said, but I don't know, him and McGregor, it's it's hard to pick them apart. I probably have gone for McGinn just because Earlier in the season, you had the McGinn versus McGregor match at Parkhead, mm-hmm. and undoubtedly the better player of those two that game was McGinn, and so that's maybe clouding my judgment for those who think McGregor deserves to be above him. Top three, top three. I have Callum McGregor at three, Stuart the Hair Armstrong at two, and Bruni at one. I've got the same two and one as you. I've got Tom Rogic at three. I've got Roger at three just because there is no player like him in Scottish football and he is devastating when he's at his best. Yes. He is fucking huge and he's got the silkiest of feet. It's the old cliche, but for, for such a big guy, his feet are ridiculous. Because <laughs> he is. Because that, that, that is 
undoubtedly a strength if you're somebody who is that big so that you can physically dominate players and at the same time you can dance around them I mean that's just incredible and he has that he should be number one in this list and yeah. he has had a poor season which is why I've, I've not knocked him down as far as you have No, but I've knocked him down to three because when he is on his game there's nobody like him in Scottish football you cannot stop Tom Rodjick if he has got everything going for him Again, I think with these lists as I said earlier it's just so difficult because you don't want to just have the well, obviously it's about the 12 best but you don't want to just list here's all the Celtic centre yeah. mids who obviously would walk into pretty much any team um, and then go and here's the others it's a little bit about their influence as well um, but no I can totally understand why you have Rogic up higher I'm not going to die in a ditch over that Fair I'm like John McGinn Stuart Armstrong you've got do you want to say anything more Gregor or we I've covered it yeah. Stuart Armstrong his he's, head is fine he scores yeah. belters all the time Yeah, it's just a pity he's not played more this season yeah um, poor form at the start of the year his contract situation I think kind of distracted him yeah. and he's had kind of injury niggles as yeah. well which has always kind of been a wee thing with Armstrong he's never been one of those that's been out for long periods but he does tend to pick up knocks and, and strains now and again that just kind of interrupt his momentum Armstrong's just if you forget about what he did against England let's just put that in a box and put it away um, interestingly there was I can't remember what game it was but I think it might did he come on against Rangers I think he did in the semi-final no he was but out was he out he was out of that there was game. a game I can't remember which Celtic game it was but there was a game when Celtic were breaking up the park and he had options left and right and he managed to actually get the ball to his teammate <laughs> Not pass it back to the opposition and end up losing the goal. Armstrong's best attributes are... I don't really like him. I've said this before. I don't really like him as a number 10 because it kind of limits the Mm. amount of space he can can move into. His best thing is taking the ball and charging forward. Yeah, just like breaking through the ranks and just... Exactly, and causing chaos in the opposing team because... If you can break through, it's one thing to pass through the lines. If you can just charge through them, that that can cause mayhem, yeah. and that's what he's so good at doing. He's also great at f- finishing anywhere inside twenty yards, yeah. and those are things that you want in to just about any midfielder. He's also big, athletic, very intelligent. Aside from just having a poor season by his standards, he you you do worry about him a wee bit because. He only had that one great season at Celtic, and now he's kind of follow-ups. His second album's not been that good. So I do hope that wherever he goes, because I do fancy him to leave in the summer, but yeah. wherever he does, I hope he can he, he picks the right place so he can continue that momentum, because if he can get back to where he was the year before, he does have a lot of great attributes. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, I, do, I almost was slightly concerned about his technique at the highest level. I don't, I don't see him being a... Top half Premiership player. No, just, I think uh, sorry, Premier League player because I just the technique's not quite there. You can see it in Europe sometimes; it gets a little bit exposed. But I think he was being watched by was it Brighton and Newcastle? That makes a bit more sense. Yes. So you can see that. Sort I would of... maybe go to a top end Championship team first and just get your legs under you a bit in English football. Get that. Make sure you've got that confidence to drop him right into a situation like Newcastle or Brighton I would I would be a little bit fearful however I wouldn't necessarily back against them at the same time could join Kearney at Fulham could do He's just chucking it out there yeah, don't know why Scott Brown number one yeah he's 
He is the player that we all love to hate when yes. he's playing our team. Runs the um, show. He's so, yeah, just absolutely. He runs the show both for Celtic and at Celtic, if that makes sense. If he's missing from the team, Celtic don't have that sort of human metronome. They're just always in the right place to intercept the ball. Always knows just how to make the tackle. You know, just dirty enough that it stops play, but not dirty no. enough that he's necessarily going to get oh, yeah. he's, he's, for it right away. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a, a master at it. Yeah. He's a master at it. It's a skill. Yeah. It is a skill. Um, always shaves his head for the games against Rangers as well. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that detail. No, I think he's he suffers a wee bit unfairly from this reputation of being dirty. Obviously, he is. You know, he does what he does. He breaks up play. Um, he ensures that Celtic don't ever really get caught on the hop. Yeah, as Brown but, says, I don't think he's ever tried to stand on anybody's no, balls before. No. Um, and he's not, obviously, got that sighting that he had initially at Hibs where, you know, he would burst you know, burst through the lines and then just take a shot and bleach it in from 30 yards out. doesn't have that anymore, but he doesn't really need it. Um, he's got tremendous stamina. He's 32, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so he's got he was, eyes in the back of his head as well. Yeah. Whenever he's pressured by like an opposing striker or an opposing attacking midfielder he seems to know that they're there even yeah. without getting a shout or anything yeah. and just turns away from them so easily yeah. and I think that you know you talked about when we were talking about Armstrong he talks about that difficult second season uh, obviously Brown's been there for years now but uh, he had a tremendous season last year under Rodgers and I think most players have either picked up this season after having a fairly mediocre season last year maybe like Forrest or they had a great season last year and they've sort of really dipped down someone like Patrick Roberts, for example. Uh, but Brown's had two consistently brilliant seasons. Influential. You'll be missed. Sorry, that makes it sound like I'm about to bump him off. <laughs> R.I.P. and peace, Scott Brown. We hardly knew but you. But we said they'll um, be the replacement. Or should be. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe Rogers will just sign Alan Campbell. Why not? Why not? Glenn Kamara. Glenn Kamara okay. would actually be a better replacement than yeah. John McGinn. He's been linked with Celtic Rangers and Swansea, oddly enough. Um, but no, I mean, there's. I think the one thing about this list was it was difficult to narrow it down to 12. But before I even started really thinking about it, I thought, well, Scott Brown's number one. I'll have a lot of Celtic players in there at other places. Yes. Um, but there was no doubt about where he was going to land. There was no doubt he was going to get nominated for Player of the Year mm-hmm. either. Um, kudos yep well done Bruni or Brownie as uh, oh, Brendan Rodgers calls him painful yes right that's it thank you very much for listening we really hope you enjoyed talk to you again sometime goodbye see you Sports Social Podcast Network it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.